There's not one of us, be us 10 years of age or 80 years of age, that don't understand how important mental health is now and good mental health. And we've always done the good physical health is the most important thing, but uh, they go hand in hand now and the world needs to understand that. Hey folks, there's a wonderful event happening next year over the June long weekend from June 7th to 9th. The Bali AFL Masters is taking place and the SA team will have men's sides in the over 35s, over 45s and over 55s. If you want to join in the fun, check out the Southern Slugs Football Club Facebook page. Well, what a pleasure it is to have uh, Sarah Game and also Chris McDermott, or Bone as you're better known, uh, back from the footy days <laughs> on Sports Legends with Bevo. Thanks so much. Good to see you, Bevo. Good to have you guys too. And uh, now next month we've got an event happening as part of International Men's Day. Tell us about it, Sarah. What's going on? That's right. Well, my understanding is it's the only event happening uh, to celebrate International Men's Day this November on Sunday the 19th. So I uh, was inspired to do it by actually attending events for International Women's Day last year. And I realised that there was no equivalent uh, celebration for International Men's Day. And so this year I decided that we'd do our own one at the Nord Football Club. Wonderful. And you've obviously got Chris involved in as well. Tell us about your relationship with, with Bone and how you got him involved. Yeah, well, I met Chris at, uh, I knew nothing about Chris's AFL uh, career, as we sort of discussed a little bit earlier. Um, I, I'm not really a sports follower, but I met Chris at an event for children's mental health and learnt that he was involved uh, in starting the Little Heroes Foundation, which I know Chris will talk about later. And that, for me, was our common ground. You know, I knew Chris was a, a, I could tell Chris was a good person who wants to make a contribution. That's what inspires me as well. And that's the motivation behind celebrating men on International Men's Day too. I mean, I've spoken in Parliament about men's issues, had a really positive reception. And so Chris was just sort of naturally the first person that I roped into the event and he agreed immediately, which was which was wonderful. And that, I think, helped others get on board too, which I'm really appreciative of. But obviously we've got Jim Wally as well, a former fighter pilot in the Royal Australian Air Force. And we've got Professor Wittet from the University of Adelaide, uh, a specialist in men's mental health. And also Will Frogley, CEO of Master Builders and Zane Kirkwood from Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. So it looks to be a really amazing event. Yeah, some big names there for sure. And uh, Bone, tell us about, you know, must be pretty excited about being involved as well. And Yeah, look, it's great. I mean, Sarah and I got to meet each other. We were at KPMG, I think it was, with the mental health evening that we put on there. And some people you click with and you get a good feel about, and I'm very much a gut feeler, and we had some great things in common. So, you know, I'm happy to help wherever I can. I think it's a really good event. The men's event's really important. Great to have it at Norwood Footy Club. You know, Zane Kirkwood's been one we've been able to help get into the event and his history in that mental health space. And, uh, you know, he's a kid that's had to overcome a lot of hurdles and it's a great story uh, at the end, but uh, he'll really add to, add to the day. You know, 150, 180 people on a, on a Sunday afternoon when most people are doing something else. So I think it's a really, really great result uh, and hopefully the start of something bigger, that this can be an, an annual event, that we can take it to bigger places and put on even more guest speakers and make it more beneficial for, I guess, the, the people that you're trying to inform to help along the way. And I think there's not one of us, be us 10 years of age or 80 years of age, that don't understand how important mental health is now and good mental health. And we've always done the good physical health is the most important thing, but uh, they go hand in hand now and the world needs to understand that. Yeah, well said, especially with the whole COVID situation, that 
you know, like there's been so many situations, hasn't there? People having mental health issues and, you know, the suicide rates and what have you have just increased dramatically over the years. So you're right, it's just never been so important. And and Zane, um, you look at Zane and you think on the outside, such a happy, positive guy. I've, I've had him before on Legends with Bevo. And, but yeah, you, you don't really don't know. And that's a perfect example of what people are going through until they come out and talk about it. Beautiful kid. I mean, a ripper kid who's got a, a real story to tell and he's just got himself in a, in a space where he can go and, and tell the story now and tell it with confidence and not have repercussions from him telling his story. So he's learned to be able to embrace that with, you know, John Mannion from Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, Zane works there. So th there's no better person in the mental health space than John Mannion. He's been in it for 38 years. So really good partnership. Zane's doing some great things, running the New York Marathon in the not too distant future as well. So, oh, wow. um, you know, he's doing a lot. And uh, I think it's a name that we're going to hear a lot about over the next 20 years. No, well said, absolutely. And, and Sarah, you're obviously a politician for, for One Nation. Explain your role there and uh, how you sort of got into politics and what you enjoy about it. Well, I'm loving it. I guess I've always wanted to lead a meaning, meaningful life and make a contribution. I know that might not go hand in hand with politics in a lot of people's mind, but before politics, I was a teacher and I taught in really disadvantaged schools overseas um, and I was also a veterinarian. So certainly that was always my motivation. And when I got uh, this opportunity, I just saw it as a way of being able to expand uh, my passion for various interests, so mental health and well-being, uh, and also education. And I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I think you can't complain. It's a highly privileged job. Obviously, it has certain stresses. But when you look at what people are going through at the moment with the cost of living crisis, I certainly am grateful for my position and all the people that I'm getting to meet, like like Chris, and and to be able to actually do an event that's meaningful, like the International Men's Day. A lot of people want to do these things and would make these contributions if they could. And I'm lucky enough that I've got access now to people who help me do, do these things. So it's great. And Chris, let's talk about your career as well. No, um, no, um, no, <laughs> no, no. Let me find out about your career, Chris, that I know nothing about. No, no, I'll, I'll I'll together. Together. <laughs> I don't know anything about Chris's career. I oh, know, he's too modest. 14 state games, 227 games of the Bays playing league footy and 117 games of the Crows. That's a pretty good resume, Bone. Means um, <laughs> tell us about the journey, where it all began and you know the lead-up to playing for the Bays. Oh, I'm an old Merino boy from 1963. So before Merino was the nice suburb it is now, and my folks built there when there was nobody there. So just happened to be in the Glenelg zone and I was a mad Woodville supporter back in, in that day. My grandfather had played for Port Adelaide and then he'd, uh, when he'd finished his playing career at Port, went to Woodville and helped them move from the B grade that they were in in the sort of early 60s into the A grade or the SANFL properly. And so took me along and from 1968, this is when I first remember being in my Woodville jumper and having a badge on and going into the change rooms and having access to that. And it just... Oh, I was just a young kid that fell in love with the game at a really early age and managed to hold on to that love for 55 years. Not quite sure <laughs> as I'm in love with it these days as I, as I was back then and the game's changed a little bit. But uh, look, I'm a story, just a regular story like everybody else has just had a bit of footy in the, in the background and in the family, just wanted to play it and didn't want to do anything else. Wasn't really good at school. Sarah knows that. She knows my schoolwork and my uh, ability to not past year 12 was a bit of a <laughs> bit of a handcuff on me for the next 30 years but uh, I just loved the game loved what it taught me loved what it gave me loved the assets it gave me the friends that it gave me the doors that it opened for me and you know what happens on the ground is all a bit of a 
blurb 30 years later, but it's a profession that I couldn't recommend highly enough for anybody, male or female now, that want to play it. And you're also the inaugural Crow Skipper as well. Uh, that must have been pretty special. Yeah, it was. It was a, you know, I had an opportunity to go to, to Brisbane when the Bears had first started and, and stayed at Glenelg, sort of, that was sort of mid-80s and had a couple of doors open to go to the VFL and play, but didn't really interest me when the Crows were flagged. It was something that did interest me and, you know, to have a South Australian team in the AFL competition and be able to be in the first team and lead that team and give them some direction and was an absolute highlight. Absolute highlight and um, something I feel really privileged to be able to have done and have contributed in a small in a small way to that success. You know, and the success for them came pretty pretty quickly. You know, six years in and they've got a premiership to their name, which was a great story. But good fun times, different era though. You know, non-professional. You work from nine to four or nine to five. We trained from five till seven thirty or eight o'clock. Uh, when we'd finished training, McGuinness and I would drive from West Lakes, Tony McGuinness that is, down to the bay. We'd go to the barbecue inn on Jetty Road at Glenelg. We'd get there at 8.30. We'd be there until 10.30, go home, wake up, go to work the next day and press the repeat button and do it all again. Um, so different times, but great fun. Really good memories and a lot of them we can't obviously say on, <laughs> on tape. And I have to talk about the uh, Nigel Smart Firewalking incident because that was one that everyone knows about and an absolute classic back in the day. Sarah may not know this one, but uh... firewalking, you ever done it? No, I, I know about it. Mm -hmm. I might have done it. I think I might have done it in Fiji. Is that right? This is if Hot it's coals? The same. Yeah, I think so. Did you? Yeah. What? I think I, and think did, I did. did. you say ouch or as did I, it not I, hurt? It's a vague, I feel like so much has happened in my, it's a distant memory now. I think this was a childhood, one of those distant childhood memories that may or may not happen. I feel like I was faced it. with the choice. <laughs> Whether I went through with it, I don't know, but I'm interested in the in the story. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm, you may never speak to me again, though, Nigel, if I do repeat it. But uh, So I think it was either, I think it was the first year, pre-season, Crows Camp, Rapid Bay, and Nigel had been on a plane with Graham Corns going somewhere, either to and from Melbourne, so it might have been the second year, uh, and Nigel was reading the in-flight magazine, firewalking, flicks it to, to Graham, says, Look at this. This would be great for us to do. Graham, of course, yeah, great idea. No worries. So we're in this quarry at uh, at Rapid Bay, and we're all. It's sort of it's it's you can't really see it from the dormitories that we were staying in, and we're walking up and down these dormitories as a a practice session for what we're about to go out and do. And it's on a blue carpet, very much like the carpet we're on here, and we've got to walk 22 meters, sort of stomp through it, and say and say cool sand, cool sand, so your mind is saying it's cool even though it's bloody hot. <laughs> and so we did this for about an hour, which was meant to prepare you for what is out there. So we walked the 100 metres around the corner to the hot coals on the gravelled surface and there was this flame, I swear, there were a flaming inferno. It was flames a couple of metres high, they hadn't quite doused them at this stage. And we're and saying, no, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not walking on that. So the more we got, the more apprehensive we got, the less it was reflective of the cool sand and the carpet we were walking on. And because Nigel had found it, he volunteered to go first. So he started at one end. Oh. I was at the other end. So the idea was you walked the length of the cricket pitch pretty well, met 
another player at the other end who would grab you, say, well done, and off you go. Life was meant to be simple. (laughs) So there's probably 50, there were 52 players on the list, 52 standing around, officials, maybe 75 in total. Nigel starts, and I'm at the other end to catch him, 22 metres. And he starts, and I reckon he's three steps in, and his face went white. The, the cool sand, cool sand, went to bloody hell, this is hot. And then a rush to the end to me. So he rushed his way through. That's crazy. The trainers came from here, trainers came from there, officials came from here, Bill Sanders, Bob Hammond, Cornsey all came, hugged him, put his feet in a bucket of water, and there was pandemonium over it. So they rushed Nigel off, take him back to camp, get the doctors to look after him. The bloke who's running the whole thing is saying, no, it's okay, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. And then he does it himself, good as gold, but it got shut down, so nobody else got a chance to do it. Not surprised. Well, the moral of the story was Nigel's feet weren't that bad, and while we had a trial game the next weekend, he didn't play, but he had a couple of small blisters on his feet. I can just imagine. There might have been just a bit of, sorry, Nigel, a bit of panic. on his behalf, that sort of destroyed it for everybody. But it was one of our less uh, gracious moments in the history of the Adelaide Footy Club. Hey, but it's a memory to always look back on, isn't it? And everyone loves talking about we it. We did so. break arrows in our neck the following year, though, which was fantastic. So now this is something you can do. So you had to put a, the, the point of the arrow in your neck, proper arrow, so that long. Somebody had put their hands on the other end and you had to walk towards the person and bend the arrow what? and snap it. And Who comes so, up with these ideas? I'm telling you. Doesn't sound like fun. No. I'm telling you, having done it, and I was lucky enough to be the first one to do it because Nigel wasn't going first after what happened last time. And it, it gets to this point where you think, oh, I don't know about this and whether I'm going to take the next step because you know the next step is going to make it snap, but it also feels like the next step is going to make it pierce your skin. Yeah. And a couple of blokes did, you know, snick a little and start to bleed a fraction. But it's a really, really great test of your mental capacity to push through that moment of doubt, snap it, and everybody did it. It was phenomenal. We played Hawthorne. Sorry, I'm hogging. No, I just missed. We played Hawthorne that next week. You might remember this at at, uh, Amy Stadium. We kicked, I don't think we'd kicked a goal to half time, or we might have kicked one, and they were up 5-10 to 1-4 or something. We are getting absolutely smashed. We all went into the rooms at half time. And there was this weird, calm, it's okay, no panic, where there's normally chaos and Cornsy yelling at us and yeah, bloody hopeless you blokes and well that there's this real calm in there, like it's okay. We're in, you know, we haven't been good, uh, but it's all right. And we went out and we won and kicked ten goals to nothing in the last wow. half. Great story. And that had a huge part in that win over Hawthorne. One of the great again, the great weeks and great moments in the Adelaide Footy Club. That's amazing, isn't it? For doing Great something story. like, yeah, huge story. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not finished now. No, Sarah, back no, to you. That no, no. That with mental health and, and so on, doesn't yeah, it? Because 100%. having that belief in yourself and having that success and that confidence, isn't it? That's oh. what you're talking about. Push on. That's, you could do it at your lunch. That's what, yeah, you're going to do some arrow snapping. <laughs> get you the fire I'll get you that. We've been looking for a role. You know, we haven't honed your role exactly, but I think the arrow snapping, we could start with that. Lunch. Maybe not. Get Maybe that needs a little bit more thought, get, I think. Get, get everyone into the right. We can do it soon. Yeah, I'll hold that thought. <laughs> we'll ask a few stories about you later on anyway, Bo. You know, get back to your footy career. But 
move on to Sarah now with let's get to you know the really important thing and that is legacy because yes. you know, that's a, a really important part of, of your life there and something that's close to your heart and, and also where the funds are going for International Men's Day event next month. Um, explain more about oh, this. And- I am so excited to have Legacy as our charity for the International Men's Day. Uh, it's really meaningful. I mean, my dad, who unfortunately passed away in February this year, but he was in the Navy for 20 years. So certainly I had that experience of having... Uh, my father in the Defence Force and being away. And it's a really challenging time for families. I mean, we were lucky, uh, you know, that we didn't suffer severe financial hardship. And certainly Legacy's there to support the whole family. So the the parents uh, and the children. Also, it's very dear to one of our speakers, uh, Jim Wally, who lost his father at the age of nine. And he told me that it was Legacy that stepped in and allowed uh, him really to carry on with his schooling and supported his mother. So it's it's really significant and I'm, it, it makes me feel really grateful actually that we can help raise money for such a, a good charity. Oh, fantastic. And speaking of charities, Bone, you're obviously involved with the McGuinness McDermott Foundation and now more recent times, Little Heroes. And why is that sort of foundation so close to your heart? And explain more the, the story behind Little Heroes. Oh, look, it, it came from a relationship I had with a young boy uh, and Tony had one at the same time, Nicholas Berry, Nathan McLean, two young lads who had a form of cancer back in the 90s, were both footy fans and would come along to the footy and Nath, the young lad that I was really friendly with, would come to the, the footy, come in the rooms after the game, just sit alongside me and you know, I slowly saw his body change and had enough understanding of cancer and what it looked like and what it acted like um, to know that there was something not right with him and met his mum and dad and we became friends for a couple of years and went along his journey and saw how that affected him, his family, and saw the facilities at the Women's and Children's Hospital back in the 90s, which were, with all due respect, really substandard. You know, if you had cancer or you had a serious illness, if you weren't in Melbourne or weren't in Sydney, you just didn't get the best of treatment. And over here, you'd have to wait six weeks if you wanted to have an MRI to, you know, to see where the cancer was, to see what the doctors were dealing with. As a footballer at that stage, you know, if I hurt my knee and need an MRI, I could get one within, you know, the next day. I could go and have one, have the results back straight away, and just didn't seem fair to me. So, the idea of McGuinness McDermott Foundation and Tony and I was to bring our facilities here at Adelaide up with the rest of the country and surpass them if we could. And, think we were able to do that you know with two MRI machines we built an endoscopic operating theatre in there we put a new playground in there we built a robotic rehabilitation centre in there as well so all these things that other countries came over to see in the end and we could brag about and Adelaide could brag about their women's and children's hospital the facilities that they had there for their kids so great success story when we morphed into little heroes we also morphed out of cancer and into mental health and physical health and you know I'm sure Sarah's as she just explained the the magnitude of mental health in the, in the world now and it covers everybody so it was really important for us to diversify and have a physical health aspect and a mental health aspect to us so in partnership with Breakthrough we have big talks for little people and it's an in-schools program and teaches young children about mental health we're going into the APY lands in the not too distant future in December and uh, speaking to some communities up there about having an Indigenous program as well. The program's also gone over into Turkey after their earthquakes in recent times, and the schools have adopted it over there, given the troubles troubles that they're having. And we're also speaking to the education department in China about 
the possibility of morphing it into Mandarin and having it um, used over there. So uh, through Flinders Uni, they're the brainchild behind it. Professor Philip Slee is an absolute genius and we're lucky to be able to financially support it and get some kudos for it. But that mental health part is huge now. And I come from a non-believer in an old age where you know it wasn't spoken about, it wasn't a thing. Now it's a, a thing and a serious thing and um, glad to be on that journey with them. It must make you feel very proud knowing the success that you've had with obviously McGuinness McDermott Foundation and our little heroes as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the beauty, selfishly the beauty is I get to meet people like Sarah that you, you'd, you'd never, I'd never know and never meet, never walk in that world. And it's been a great experience for me and Sarah puts up with me and <laughs> me talking too much and I buy her a coffee every now and then to try and square the ledger. But it's open doors for me that would never have been open before. And, you know, I had a, my parents died uh, from cancer when I was 15, 16. And so I had some history with it, some understanding of it. And to be able to do something for kids that maybe were in my spot 15 years ago or were affected by it and families that were affected by it, yeah, is a good reason to get up in the morning. Yeah, most definitely. No, congratulations so on that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and Sarah, let's sort of go back to yourself personally with your, your politics side of things. Uh, where yes. to from here for the rest of 2023 and, and going forward? Well, there's probably a couple of things that I think, you know, are fitting to mention uh, now, which I've had a really positive reception from government, actually, and I'm quite confident about getting some headway on. And one is getting better advertising for the Urgent Mental Health Care Centre. So there's an Urgent Mental Health Care Centre on Grenfell Street, which very few people know about. It's a 24-7 walk-in mental health facility. It's different than going to a hospital because when you go in there, you're met by a clinician, but also someone with lived experience. And it's much more a, a living room environment. You don't need a referral. You don't need any ID. You just walk in uh, off the street or, you know, if you uh, have reached a point within yourself. And I think it's fitting since we're talking about International Men's Day, particularly this sort of low barrier system is very appropriate for men who often don't, they're often not in the mental health care uh, space because when they have a crisis, it's been precipitated by a life event, you know, a relationship breakdown or a career change. And so I think they often find themselves not really knowing where to go and not already in a system to be referred on. The unfortunate thing is that they don't know about this centre. So last I checked, it was running at 60% capacity. And so I'm in talks with the government at the moment about having a targeted advertising campaign. So veteran groups, relationship mediation groups, job uh, seeking agencies, so that we're making sure the people that need uh, this centre are aware of this centre. So that, that's on my agenda. And I guess just tying in a little bit with Chris and his passion for children, I've got uh, a bill that I'm talking with the government that has also had very positive reception in having a collaborative approach, which is making sure that we know that how are children in care, so our most vulnerable and disadvantaged children, how are they actually faring uh, comparatively at school with other children, both in their in terms of their attendance, but also in terms of their academic achievement. So we don't know that currently. We've got it for certain years of, of NAPLAN, but we don't know ultimately how uh, they're ending up. You wouldn't be able to say now, well, how did children in care go in year 10, 11 and 12 compared to other children? And I think that having that information available is the first step to changing the outcomes. So they're, they're the top two probably on my agenda at the moment. And obviously it's a, it's a sports podcast where we've 
on today. And you're not the biggest sport. You've you certainly admitted before that you're not the biggest sporting person. But last year, and I know this event next month is going to be at the Nord Footy Club. And that's, right. and that's that's obviously the club that you got you know involved with the last couple of years. And your very first game was the grand final last year when Nord came from behind to beat the Roosters in what was an epic grand final, the Sanford grand final last year in 2022. That's right. So I'm definitely making a commitment to try for my son. We spoke earlier. I've got three children, a son who's eight and my daughter's seven and five, and my son is a sports fanatic. So I certainly feel now as his mother that I need to skill myself up, you know, in what's going on. So we went along to that premiership game and I think that's his expectation now, you know, that all football games are, are like that. But we were hugely impressed. And as you know, uh, Norwood were, were certainly trailing behind uh, for most of that match, but, you know, they turned it around the last few minutes. So it was really exciting. Yeah. So going forward, you might see you uh, become, you know, more of a, uh, uh, Norwood, yeah, you'll find Norwood. me down Norwood Football Club. You, yeah. you don't know where I yeah. am. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it'd be fair to say we need to work on our football vernacular, though. The, the, yeah. the, the, the terminology is not quite not right. Not quite right. I've only been to one or two games. More than that a little bit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll take it down to Glenelg over and get our education. Yeah, yeah down exactly. There. Especially, obviously, yeah. Speaking of that, big, big premiership this year for the base, must yeah, be. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we know we're not normally good that last day in September. <laughs> is normally when we... Uh, well, less successful than successful, but great from, you know, obviously got a really good environment down there at the moment. Peter Carey doing some great things off the field and on field, really got themselves organised. So fantastic to see. I mean, I think the footy world, especially at that level, with the emergence of the women's leagues, and I think, you know, have a bit to do with the, the amateur leagues as well, is really, really strong at the moment. So great to see. No, it's heading in the right direction for sure. Mm. And um, 14 state games as well you played. You know, obviously we don't have state of origin, unfortunately, at that AFL level anymore. But what was it like playing against and with some of the best players of all time? But... Yeah, I think it's one of the great tragedies that the game can't find space for that state-based competition because you know, I was lucky to play in the MCG 1993. Some of your listeners and watchers will remember you know, South Australia, Victoria, 30 years after that one in 63 at the MCG. You know, to do it again and with Brereton and Dunstall and Lockett and Ablett and those sort of blokes. You can talk about great moments and moments that stick in a clouded brain. Um, definitely one of them. Definitely one of them. Great, great footy. But it was an era when you could bend the rules just a bit too, and that was always <laughs> the fun part. Yeah. And it was a brutal era of footy as well, mind you. It was brutal. It was brutal. But, you know, the, the, and the beauty was it was brutal. But, you know, once you walk back over the white line, there was always a handshake. There was always a beer afterwards. And, you know, it, it left and finished there. And I think the... The sport might have just lost that a little bit, but I think that was one of the great things is that you could go to war with a bloke and leave nothing else, uh, leave nothing you know off the field, but you'd get there, have a beer afterwards, shake hands, and you know life's back to normal again. So the ability for your character to be able to do that after you've both belted the you know what out of each other, I think yeah. is a great tool for us all that we don't have anymore. And you talk, and Sarah talks about that mental health and how to deal with it, well, what a great way we dealt with it back then, even though we didn't know we were dealing with it. I think that ability to do that after a game was really important and they should think about reinstating it. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. And uh, before we let you go as well, you, you talked about a couple of funny stories uh, during your career at the Crows. Uh, who were some of the footy teammates that were you know, real funny teammates back in the day and, and why? And Have you got a couple oh, of stories that you want to share? Some, there some pranksters down at the clubs as well? Well, <laughs> in the early days, everyone was a prankster because there was, Grant, Grant, I think Grantley Filkey was one, one of the big ones and probably ducked under the radar a little bit, but Filks was 
great humour, great fun. Uh, everybody knows about Jarman and his ability to a make you laugh and b make the coaches cry a little bit. But uh, you know, to have two blokes like that, you know, I think we often forget. You, you look at those early years and you think about the the, the players whose names come readily to mind. But it was often the second tier player that maybe ducked under the radar that made such a huge contribution to Scotty Lee, you know, who was just a hard, tough, but really good, fun bloke. You know, we've spoken about the other two, but a Paul Rouvre and, you know, a, a young Rod Jamison coming through, you know, a young Mark Bickley and the fun we used to have at his expense. But you know, <laughs> then he becomes, you know, the first premiership captain, but he was, you know, the punching bag for all of us for a couple of years. So, uh, you know, without, I'm already in enough trouble from Nigel and now I'm in trouble from <laughs> Filky and Jarman. I don't want to alienate myself to any more of them, no. but, you know, different era, different times, but... Um, you know, all part of what the Adelaide Footy Club's been able to become today. And I think, I mean, I've played footy for 20 plus years, not at that, at that level, but uh, I think that's the, the best part, isn't it? Those friendships that you have and, and the fun that you have, and they're the things I miss the most about uh, playing sport as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Sarah said, you know, is, is politics the same? I mean, you've got yeah. a whole lot of people that are warring, but are you good enough to be able to shake hands at the end of the day and go and have a beer afterwards or a meal and... And, and not be at war and just enjoy each other's company. I mean, I think that was the beauty of the game and we all understood it. Yeah, just, you know, and again, it's a bygone era and I understand that, but it was a great part of an old era that I think we forget and move on from too quickly. It's a really good point. Like your Labor versus Liberal. You know, it's a bit like Port versus Crows, isn't it? Does anybody so... play like that? <laughs> I think largely, look, I probably haven't been there long enough to really see how it's all going to pan out. But I would say that my experience is that we are able to do that. You know, we are able to disagree strongly with each other, but still be respectful and have certainly people have friendships, you know, in different parties. And I couldn't complain. I think it's all been very uh, civil so far. But that said, I think there's a place, as you said, for that real passion and belief. And when your passion and belief is different to somebody else's, that should shine through too. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Uh, before we let you both go, once again, um, plug next month's events, Sarah. Where, where's it happening and how can people buy tickets? Exactly. So uh, we can look up trybooking.com and search International Men's Day or I know that Legacy have also got a link now to buy tickets. Uh, it's on November 19th uh, on a Sunday, International Men's Day. So we're obviously going to be having some amazing uh, speakers and I want it to be a really positive celebratory event. It is almost sold out. So I would suggest people buy their tickets soon if they're interested in coming. Fabulous. Well, thanks so much to Chris Bowe McDermott and also Sarah Gain for joining us today on Sports Legends with Bevo. Good on you, Bevo. Thanks, thanks so much.